if you're like a wine geek, a real power user, so to speak, and different drop is like Disneyland. If they wouldn't want to drink it themselves, then it doesn't go in the back. And they still love to call me up and have a big chat. The guys who call me a wine flirt. Welcome to Add to Cart, Australia's leading e-commerce podcast that express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of online retail. Every week, Nathan Bush from eSuite and an e-commerce industry expert will share the news, research and insights that you need to know to keep you at the top of your game. And of course, keep your customers adding to cart. Hello and welcome to Add to Cart. My name is Nathan Bush, host of Add to Cart and director at e-commerce talent agency eSuite. Now, I like a glass of vino as much as the next guy, but... I don't know a great deal about wine, so I always make sure I've got today's guest firmly saved in my speed dial. Today, I'm talking to Tom Hollings, co-founder of Different Drop, a self-confessed wine flirt, I think he flirted a little bit with me if I'm honest, whose passion has turned into an e-commerce business. With a focus on wines crafted by real people with a sense of adventure and authenticity, Different Drop unearths the best and most exciting drops from producers all over Australia and uses some great tech to make them accessible to all. In today's chat, we cover a heap of ground from how he and his co-founder Brett started the business from Brett's mum's garage in 2013. And that doesn't just mean finding Brett's mum's old wine, by the way. We also talk about how they pivoted to doing their own delivery during COVID and what he learned from meeting the great Ricky Ponting. And we ask a very controversial question. Ice cubes in red wine, passable or hell no? Only tackling the big issues here at Add to Cart. Make sure you stick around until the end. Tom has a very special discount code for our Add to Cart listeners. So let's get into it. Thanks to our partners, Shopify Plus and Signet, Here's our conversation with Tom Hollings, co-founder of Different Drop. Tom, welcome to Add to Cart. Nathan, thanks very much for uh, for having us. I'm a long-time <laughs> listener, first-time caller, so I'm excited <laughs> to have a chat. First time I've heard that on this show, actually. I think I've made it. Where you're at at the moment is incredible. You've got this beautiful, to set the scene for everyone else who are in this, what looks like a beautiful, dark wine cellar, but from our pre-chat, it actually wasn't always a wine cellar. No, no, it's pretty much the only place I could go here at DDHQ where it was a bit quiet, actually. The guy's busy in the warehouse, but no, this is what we call our situation room and a bit of a funny name. But no, it's this building we're in, it's an amazing old building if you've ever come to Sydney. It's like 150 years old. It's one of the old wool sheds down in Ultimo near the, near the fish markets there. It's this crazy old building with low roofs and beams and everything everywhere. Fun to run an e-commerce business out of as we've grown. And this particular room, so our space was like a recording studio for 30 odd years, really iconic Sydney recording studio. And this was the old control room and we've kept it here and and we use it now for sort of meetings and videos, but the the lighting doesn't really work. So I've got lamps everywhere trying to (laughs) light it up and yeah, some amazing bottles here in the wall. Some of the the real uh, artisans that we work with, people like Luke Lambert and Sammy Odie and like Tara Sakota and some other amazing producers too. That's cool. And sharing the spirit of the bands that have come before you, like Midnight Oil and Grinspoon and some other crackers, right? That's it, yeah. I mean, God knows what went on here all those years <laughs> ago, but <laughs> I choose not to think too much about it. I'm sure Different Drop headquarters is a lot wilder than those bands. <laughs> Maybe a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Different Drop started back in 2013. You're one of the co-founders and obviously 2013 isn't that long ago, but in the world of online it is. And um, 
I think the world of online wine especially has shifted a lot since then. Can you tell us how you got into it and started Different Drop? So basically, Different Drop is, is a digital platform for discovering artisan wines from all around the world. We're trying to make it easier for people to access these rare and exciting wines that you can't tend to find anywhere else. And that's sort of been the way it was right back from the very beginning too. So I fell into wine somewhat accidentally in my early 20s. I got a bottle shop job and, and got really interested in all the different varieties and regions. And then uh, just after I finished university, I accidentally applied for a, a call centre position selling wine over the phone, or rocking up to the interview in, in a suit uh, in Surrey Hills and everyone else was wearing shorts and singlets and drinking wine at their desks with their headphones on. And I thought, this isn't for me, but the, the guy said, look, stick around, it's good fun and you learn a bit about wine. And I ended up staying there for, for five or six years and, and just totally fell in love with wine. We got to meet all these amazing producers from around Australia and, and try some incredible wines. And were you a wine drinker at that stage as a, as a fresh uni grad? I was getting into it. So my, my now wife, then girlfriend, was loved wine and her family as well. So I was starting to learn and I had that job in, in a bottle shop. But no, no, it exploded at that point because I think on our first day there, we had Bruce Tyrrell, for everyone that knows wine, is a legend of Australian wine, came in to, to show us all his wines. And, you know, wine's this amazing product because I think more than anything else, it has this ability to really tell a story in the glass, you know, where it's from, when it was from. The French had this amazing term called terroir, which refers to, to everything that goes into the, the environment that makes the wine taste as it does, you know, the, the wind the soil, the sun, everything. And that's really cool. But there's this other part that I love and that's the people. I think when you visit cellar doors and you meet the winemakers or the, the owners of a, a winery and you hear their story and what they're trying to achieve, it's really inspiring and, and you go down a bit of a rabbit hole and, and wine's unique like that, I think. And then on top of that, it's obviously a bloody delicious drink. Um, <laughs> and and I, just, I just totally fell in love with, with all those small producers. And, and um, that was sort of what I did there at at that business was looked after all those wineries. And then I think we're in about what, 2012, 2013, and, and Woolworths came along and bought that business. Uh, and and uh, unsurprisingly, they had a slightly different worldview to me about um, supporting small uh, independent producers. They were looking to do more of their own thing and the bigger brands, and uh, that wasn't for me. So I got talking with two of my best mates at the time, so Brett Cotelby, who I'm still in business with, and another good friend, Tim Spencer, uh, about maybe doing our own thing and looking online but not going the discount route like everyone else was then. I think the other online guys like Vina Mofo, Cracker, and these guys were all about you know deep discounts on distressed stock off the back of a truck. And we thought, well, no, we can go more about storytelling, rare wines, different wines, uh, small producers, and, and go that angle. So we quit our jobs. Um, I just got married at the time and, and uh, moved back in with uh, my wife's family and, and Brett moved back in with his family. And uh, it was a definite slog for the first couple of years. I was about to say, you'll need a lot of wine during that period. Did we ever? Yeah, <laughs> we, were, um, <laughs> we were based out of, um, we were working out of Brett's mum's garage. He had this really big, nice garage. And originally we thought we'd just be drop shipping. We didn't think we'd be holding stock. Uh, that was sort of my background. But I think the very first order ever placed was my dad. And it was, they sent the wrong wine to the wrong address. And we quickly realized that it's not going to work with small producers, farmers, essentially, you know, in, in the far corners of Australia. So yeah. we started buying stock and, and with the kind of different wines we were selling, people wanted to mix and match and try different things. And so we started filling the garage uh, with stock, which was a whole fun on its own. And was that a challenge in the early days being that your differentiator was about rare and special wine, creating those partnerships with the wineries as a relatively new player? Yeah, it was. Thankfully, I had a lot of contacts already going into it. 
Um, so that helped. And even what with wine, it's a real like community. And, and once you've got enough friends in the industry and people trust you, it's, it's easy to start to get a roll on and, and you get this word of mouth on the supply side as well. So after a little while, we had wineries coming to us because they heard that we weren't trying to discount their product and they knew that, you know, I had a reputation to look after these wineries. So that helped, but even then it was it was slow going at the beginning for sure. Mm. We were bootstrapped. We weren't um, out acquiring customers, so to speak. We were just putting great products on a pretty basic website and uh, doing all sorts of, you know, tastings and anything we could just to try and sell a bottle of wine. And tell us about where you are today. We kind of hinted at the, the headquarters there. How big are we looking for, at Different Drop now? Yeah, so um, so it's grown a lot since then. COVID helped us as well, like it did for a lot of online retail. So these days we've got a team here of nearly 20 people and you know we're shipping hundreds of orders every day all around the country. We work with some 12, 1,300 suppliers in the last 12 months, last I checked. So from all around the world now as well, it was just Australia at the beginning. Thousands of SKUs on the site, new products every day, uh, and the business is growing, you know, quite quite quickly. So it's exciting. What's the most challenging part with that growth, especially from that COVID period? Well, managing all the people is a different different kind of beast now. We've gone from doing a lot of it ourselves to to delegating and managing, but I love it actually. It's great fun. It's it's been probably the most rewarding part of the last few years is growing a team here. Got yeah. some amazing people who are really passionate about what they do. So that's a different challenge, but I really enjoy it. Uh, I think just operationally, like we haven't changed much about our philosophy or what we're doing, but just trying to handle the added volumes when COVID started and the pandemic started and Australia Post really crumbled under the pressure. You know, we had orders to the next suburb that were taking weeks to deliver. Like we're an online retailer that couldn't deliver, mm. which, which wasn't even though we had all these other people landing on our site, we, we couldn't we couldn't give a good service. So we pivoted into doing our own deliveries actually at the time, which again came about sort of fortuitously. We had a lot of contacts in the industry like sommeliers and wine reps and stuff who were out of work and they were asking us if they could help us pack boxes or do deliveries or whatever. And next thing we know, we had a fleet of like well-known Sydney wine trade zipping around (laughs) Sydney, dropping boxes of wine off everywhere. Uh, And Brett, my business partner, who looks after all of the technology and operational stuff, he found some really neat software called OnFleet which uh, which kind of routes all the deliveries and great live tracking and communication to the customer. And fast forward now, we've got a little fleet of our own vans on the road and, and we've really lent into it. So we're doing our own next day deliveries all around Sydney and that's been a, a game changer for us. Our partners at Signet helped organic tea business, Little Wild Linko, go plastic free in their small business supply chain. They switched from plastic lined mailer bags to a completely sustainable packaging lineup all without having to commit to high minimum order quantities. Run wild and free, little wilding co. Signet has over 5,500 packaging solutions to help leading e-commerce businesses step up their packaging game. Visit signet.net.au to find out more. Do you feel like that's a forever thing, as in that's just part of your business model now? Yeah, I think we bought two vans. And then um, after that, when we realised we needed more, we had this pretty big conversation like, which way are we going here? You know, we we either pull out now and we just have a couple of vans to zip around or we're going down this route. Uh, and we said, no, bugger it, let's do it because it's great. Customers loved it. Yeah. That was the difference. You know, that not just the speed but just the quality of delivery. You know, someone in a different drop shirt and a different drop van who knows the product, 
with the live tracking, it was a totally different experience. And, and we get every, every single day customers write to us saying how much they love the delivery. And it's become a real competitive advantage for us. And especially around Christmas time, like usually mm. after about the first week of December, we, we pretty much stopped trading almost because it's just too unreliable. Whereas last year, we could go right up to Christmas Eve. So uh, it's great. Yep. And what are your qualifiers around that minimum spend and ge- geographically? No minimum spend. We have a free freight threshold at $150. So we're trying to encourage people to, to get up there. And our average order is about 250 bucks anyway. So so that, that tends to work out. Um, and then we just do our own deliveries within Sydney. Um, so we started off kind of like an inner Sydney sort of circle. Now we go uh, two or three times a week from Palm Beach to Cronulla as well. We'd love to do it. Yeah, we'd love to do it in Melbourne. We're working with a career company in Melbourne at the moment who are great, but maybe one day we could do it ourselves there too, which would be fun. Oh, it's fascinating. And I, and I love this direction. We had um, Mike from Scratch Pet Foods on pre-pandemic and they've done a very similar thing with pet food is, you know, created their own fleet and um, they're trialing that, which is great. We also heard from Dean at Digital Wine Ventures. Yeah. I'm sure you're across yeah, I know what Dean. they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. What's your take on how they're trying to make e-commerce accessible for wine producers around Australia? Yeah, it's a really interesting one, Wine Depot. Dean's a great entrepreneur in the wine game. He's had a lot of great, great models and ideas. And Wine Depot is it's a different side of the industry to us. It's more B2B. Yeah. Possibly down the track there might be a B2C component once they have it set up. But for the moment at least, it's it's more around third-party logistics from wineries to uh, to venues is a big part of it. And they're trying to build a, an online market for sommeliers and venues to buy from, which is challenging. It's like trying to build any marketplace. It's a bit chicken and the egg. You need all the mm. customers to get the supply. You need the suppliers to get the customers. So that's going to be a challenge for them. And then they also do uh, fulfillments for, for wineries to their own like wine club members and stuff. So it's a different space to us, but it's really interesting. I guess the takeaway for us is trying to yeah, own the operations and own the logistics and investing in that. Is something that we've learned from what he's doing, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And and there seems to be a range of services and partners like yourself that are helping Australian wineries at the moment. I saw a report come out this week that Australian wine exports have actually decreased 30% yeah. internationally and even to China, 97% down in volume of sales. It's just yeah. incredible what some of the wineries have been through recently, right? It's been shocking. So, and you can throw on top of that the bushfires two years ago, which really, really badly impacted a lot of the producers we work with. A lot of wineries last year um, through floods and hailstorms and stuff lost their crop. And then the the lockdowns and the impact on on-premise. So, our wines are more in the premium end of things, I guess. Like our average bottle of wine is probably 30, 35 bucks a bottle. So we're not, our producers aren't doing the huge kind of mass exports to China, but what they are relying on is the restaurants. Uh, yeah. So a, a typical winery that we work with might sell as much as 80% of their volume to restaurants normally. And then a, a few retailers like us and a couple of these good little independent ones. And, and that just totally fell away. So that, that was devastating for them and, and a lot of the really good importers and wholesalers that we work with too. So yeah, we just tried to really double down on, on our mates in the industry and, and do what we can to keep keep stock moving over the time because it's pretty pretty devastating for them and still is, to be honest, because the government support's not there anymore and there's still the city's still a ghost town. Do you see that government support for wineries and producers changing anytime soon? Uh, not if you believe the kind of sentiment that, you know, it, it 
they've tend to come out with a more of it's every man for himself now, like let's get back to normal kind of thing, mm. which is really difficult. You know, a lot of friends of mine in Sydney hospitality are really up against it. You know, they're, they may be doing 20, 30% of their normal trade, you know, and you can't survive like that for long. And a lot of them were having a hard time before COVID just with skyrocketing rents and, and, and also the shift towards eating and drinking at home. I, I think that's been a big part of our success too. Like COVID gave it a boost, but mm. we were seeing that change in consumer behaviour before that anyway. Yep. So we've talked a little bit about how you're supporting Australian wineries and the partnerships that you have there. You're also really well known for your customer service and about how you go above and beyond. Is there any particular different drop customer service story that stands out for you? Oh, good question. Yeah, it's true. We've, we've always uh, really put a big effort into service. We're aware that we're not not being face-to-face with our customers. It's so important to, to find those little moments. Um, when we started up, we used to do a handwritten note in every single order that went out the door and a little chocolate. We did that for years, actually. Uh, I'd love to say we still did it, but it's just it's a bit too hard now. But we've got a lot of older customers that we met in the early days. So I used to do these tastings like cooking schools and dinner parties, whatever, all sorts of stuff. Yep. Met a lot of these um mostly elderly wine drinkers, right, who we were getting into like natural wines and different stuff and they still love to call me up and have a big chat. The guys who call me a wine flirt. <laughs> but there's probably one story. We had a really good customer of ours who was up somewhere regional, maybe Newcastle, and he had a, a wedding or a big function on or something and had ordered all the stock from us and it hadn't turned up, thanks I was post. And I, I th- think what we did was we organised, we bought all the wines or similar wines from a competitor of ours up there and, and arranged for it all to be like express shipped to this guy's function so that his night wasn't wasn't impacted at all. And it cost us a fortune. And we, we were a much smaller business then. And and then we we lost all the stock on top of that as well, the original stock. And but those sort of things we've always made sure we, we do anything we can to, to keep the customers happy. Yeah. And what is your customer service mantra or, or approach in creating those connections now when you're at scale rather than it's just Tom at the end of the phone being the wine yeah. flirt? <laughs> How do you scale that customer service? We put a big focus on inbound, like really good responsive service. Like we, we don't we don't do any uh, real outbound, we don't do any kind of cold calling or anything like that. We obsess over the customer journey and the customer experience. So we're really trying to cut off problems at the at the source and just constantly looking at like how do we make the delivery better how do we make the comms better how do we make the checkout better how do we make the follow-up better all these little things and rather than hiring more customer service people to field complaints uh, and then the people that we have had have had here responding to to phone calls and tickets on gorgeous and things like that were just great people they've, they've worked i think what's been really key to the success is they've worked throughout other parts of the business too whether it's like doing deliveries or in our warehouse or helping with content or whatever. So they really understand the business as a whole. They know wine and, um, yeah, they just give a great a great experience whenever someone gets in touch with us. But to be honest, we, considering the volume now, the, we have very few problems really. Yeah. And you mentioned Gorgeous there as your customer service platform. Why are you, are you working with Gorgeous? So Brett looks after all of the all of our tech stack here, um, and we've tried a few different things. I used Zendesk before, we used a few other ones, but I think it was just gorgeous. It was very clean, very simple for a smaller business. I think it's it's super easy to use, very easy to track tickets, very easy to have a few different people plugged in. I think in general, our focus has been very much around simplicity with operations, and and particularly with like our tech stack. Like we moved back to Shopify Plus 
a few years ago after a, a failed attempt at Magento and just made the call to just really simplify everything as much as possible. And did you go straight on to Shopify Plus or did you go standard Shopify first? So we, we started our business on standard Shopify. Yep. And then we had all these ideas about customizing it. So this is back when Shopify was probably a little less customizable. Uh, and, and we really wanted to have this, you know, super customized, you know, unique experience. And we had, we had, uh, our mate Tim who was coding it and everything, but it just took so much work. And then he, he moved overseas and left the business. And then we were stuck with this website that fell apart. We, we had a disastrous period there around 2017, 2016, where the website was just crumbling. Our conversion rate was down below 1%. We were literally sending emails to our customers with like a footer at the bottom saying, you know, if you can't order on our website, please give us a call and, you know, we'll do it that way. <laughs> it was just a disaster. And, and then uh, we made the call to, to totally replatform back onto Shopify Plus and spend a bit of money, do it properly. But then once it was set up, like we don't have any in-house developers now. Yeah, It's just us and, and it's just so easy to use and plug different apps in and, and tweak the, you know, the, the theme and stuff. And, and you talked about that desire to customize. Um, obviously, Shopify have done a lot of work since then, since you've come back onto the platform to allow people to do more customization. Is there any kind of feature or app that you're just loving at the moment? It's just how they all, how everything plugs in, you know, where it's gorgeous. So we use Klaviyo for, for our marketing and our, our emails and stuff and how that all just plugs in so seamlessly and with data flowing back and forth. Some like Shopify Flow is great. We use another app called Arigato, which does some some really cool automations on the site as well. Yeah, um, which is really good for us. There's a few new apps we're playing around with around like customer communication as well, like you know, send thank you videos to people and doing different things like that. Mm. But for me, it's not one little thing. It's it's just how it all just kind of connects. Yeah, so so seamlessly because that's been so empowering for us. It means we can have content guys who know nothing about coding or anything and they can just get in there themselves and change the site and, and play around with different things. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of content, you mentioned at the start about wine being a storytelling game. Mm. Your product pages are pretty amazing considering the range you've got there. You've got over 5,000 unique wines and your product pages are full of detail and inspiration. Tell us about what you've got on your product page so we can set the scene for, for our listeners. Yeah, sure. So um, we take all of our own original bottle shots for a start, which is unusual in the industry as it is. Usually they're just hodgepodge, you know, either from a winery or some competing website. We wanted a, a uniform look across the site. So we take all of our own images. Um, we have a lot of the imagery of the producers. That's really important to us. We're trying to show that these are made by real people. That's always the story with wine, but it's not always the reality. A lot of wine sold is made in a big factory somewhere. These yeah. are made by real farmers and, and we really the, the best way for us to get that across is is visually where we can we have product videos there from the the producers as well where they're talking about either that wine or just their story in general we have customer reviews using a kendo um, which which works really well we have a, a big series of like different expert reviews so we subscribe to every wine publication in the universe and, and have all these different expert reviews there which is a big part of selling premium wine we have all of the wineries' technical info, which we, which we work with them. They provide for us, you know, winemaking details and how it's grown and everything. And then probably the biggest part of it and the hardest part is we write our own original copy on each wine too and, and each winery. So, and that's like a, you know, longer form, you know, anywhere from three to five paragraphs of, of copy, proper mm. wine copy. And we did that at the beginning. It was just me in the beginning, but I'm a rubbish writer. 
And is that in addition to kind of features and benefits? Totally. So the features and benefits are more kind of copied and pasted, saying here's the alcohol, here's the celery potential, here's the oak it was aged in, et cetera, for all the geeks. And then this is us then telling the story because yep. we really believe all these wines have a, a story and where they've come from. So that was just me. And then we've got uh, Wade here who's been with us since the beginning. He did a lot of the copywriting, but it quickly outgrew him. So these days we've actually got like a team of external writers we've put together. So um, people that write for other publications, wine reps, um, sommeliers, uh, a couple of winemakers that just love wine, can write a bit. And we've got them all plugged into this uh, system. Uh, we're using some software called Airtable, which mm-hmm. is like a database management software that's, that's really cool. And it, again, it plugs into Shopify. Again, this is what Brett built. He loves this stuff. I'm just the product guy. But, um, Don't say that. Take the credit. Take the credit. He's not here. <laughs> He's not here. He's not here. He can't hear. He'll hear. No, well done, Brett. It's really smart. And um, and basically, it's got our entire like database of all products we've ever had. And whenever we load a new product onto our website, it flows down here. And if we've had that product before, it'll automatically populate it with all of the previous content that might be relevant, like the non-vintage specific content. Or if we've had that that producer before in the store, it'll populate all that producer's content, the images, the descriptions, and cuts out heaps of the publishing time. And then our external writers can actually log directly into this software and it's very point and clicky and, and they just fill in the gaps. And it's it's been a total game changer for us. So we've just about doubled our range in the last six months using this system. And then we're, we're running out of space in our warehouse though. So we're, <laughs> we're starting to uh, do a little bit more just in time as well, using some of the stock that's sitting in other warehouses around Sydney, but using all this system to produce the content. And I think that's giving us a really, yeah, dynamic store with lots of great content. I don't know about you, but I am obsessed with Yellowstone. And if you're anything like me, you're racing out to change your wardrobe to look exactly like Rip. What a guy. And we're not alone. W. Titley & Co. have been selling quality country and western gear for four generations now. But unlike John Dutton, they're not afraid of change. With five stores, their online sales already represented 42% of all sales, but they wanted more. So they upgraded to Shopify Plus and optimized with Shopify Flow to hide out-of-stocks, flag high-risk orders, and give live free shipping prompts when customers are at different spend levels. It resulted in a 36% increase in conversion rate and a whopping 190% increase in revenue. They've got full control of this farm. To read more of W. Titley & Co.'s story and see other case studies, visit the customer section on shopify.com.au forward slash plus. And those external writers, do you send them a pack of a whole bunch of new wines that you want to put up on the site, get them to taste test and then write? Or how Sometimes, sometimes. I'd love to be able to do that, but just the velocity mm. that we're doing now, like we're sending these guys batches of 30 or 40 at a time mm. and we're hoping they can pump them out in like half an hour each. So if we sent them 30 bottles of wine, I reckon their productivity would slow somewhat. <laughs> Look, and just a question for a friend. How many glasses of wine is best for for writing great content? You know, on you know the pool rule where it's like two the two beer rule. You play the best pool after that. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it goes up exponentially with your experience in doing it. So, for me personally, like I've had three or four already today, and and you know <laughs> it's going really well. No, just and this is a nine o'clock podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 um, no. It, it is important to taste the product with certain things. There is yeah. these guys are professional writers. They know. 
they know how to write about wine and there's enough background, but there's some of these really obscure wines from, you know, other parts of the world that might be a Grüner enough from, you know, Austria that's, you know, fermented in clay amphora from a producer they've never heard of. And, you know, they might need to taste that so they know what they're talking about. So those will try and send samples where we can. Your producers must love it when they log onto your website. You've obviously done the transactional deal and the commercials, and then they log onto the website to see their wine brought to life in a way that they've never seen before. That's really the idea. Yeah, we've always treated it. Yes, we're an online retailer, but we we do think of ourselves more of a platform or a marketplace. Like it, that's more double sided. We really look after our suppliers. We want to make sure they're getting 51% of every transaction, if you know what I mean. And we know if we keep them happy, they're going to keep coming back to us, giving us rare product, giving us first access to things. And and we really, that's our mission is to help these guys grow. And if they can grow, then it's going to make it easier for people to to try their wines. So, no, we we want to keep going with the content, not slow down. We want to really make it a, a destination for not just buying the wines, but learning about the product as well more content, more interaction, more experiences. And do you find customers spend a long dwell time on those product pages? Yeah, yeah. We were using um, Hotjar, you know, yep. tracking software and, yeah, which is fun to, to geek out a bit and just watch creepily watch people on the <laughs> website, not literally them, but the, their uh, browsing behaviour. Yeah, people, you can see them read, 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 uh, click next wine or go to another product from that producer and spend a lot of time on the site. The kind of orders we get to are just crazy. It's not like... Here's a six pack on special. I think there's seven different products is the average per order for us. Wow. Yeah. And, and you see these orders with like dozens of individual different wines, you know, from all over the world. And, and I, I, uh, it scares me to think how long they must have spent putting that order together over dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and like you pointed out at the start, you're very different to the Vino Mofos of the world who are keen to sell cases on bulk and get them yep. out the door in helping people bundle those choices together. Cause I can, guess it would be overwhelming if you're on the site and there's 5,000 different choices and you're a wine lover. It could be overwhelming. Any tips on how to help people bundle them together? For sure. I, I think it's been a challenge for us. We've always been pretty, if you're like a wine geek, a real power user, so to speak, and different drop is like Disneyland. You know, <laughs> there's just so much stuff there and just, you know, do it yourself. But we don't want to be too exclusive or elitist or, or intimidating for just an emerging drinker i think that kind of you know 30 to 45 year old young professional is is the category that we really want to go after a bit more aggressively and they're interested in wine they're happy to spend good money on wine but they don't necessarily know all the ins and outs of the different sub-regions of barolo you know in, mm. in italy so for them yeah look we, we put a big focus on navigation around the site and probably the biggest thing for us has been our mix packs yep so we've we've dabbled with different um subscription offerings over over the years and they've actually never really taken for us we tend to find our customers want to buy what they want when they want it but the mixed packs uh, are an easy way for them to just go you know what i want to try um natural wine you know i'm hearing all the cool kids are doing it and I don't know where to start. I don't know which one's good, which one's not. I mean, so we've got, you know, the it's only natural mix pack or yeah. the it's all Greek to me mix pack, or we've got all these, you know, silly names we come up with. And um, there's there's probably 50 or 60 different packs on the site at the moment with every different kind of style and lots of different regions. And, and they're just aimed to be the introduction starting point if you're not sure. So I'd, I definitely recommend that kind of bundling. Mm. We use a lot of data to look at, well, people, you know, we look at like popular search terms on the site, right? So the brands that are popular, 
For example, Pinot is our most popular variety. We can see that very easily. So we always make sure we've got three or four different Pinot packs available mm. on the site at different price points and with popular products. And I suppose too, you've built up that reputation market now where people, when you put packs together, people almost treat you like their personal dealer for lack of a better word. Um, and then they trust the packs you put together, not just that you're trying to sell the cheap shit that's lying around. That's That's been really important because that's that's traditionally what happened in the wine industry. You had these subscription offerings where it was just, again, distressed stock, you know, pallets and pallets of, you know, last year's vintage that isn't drinking very well anymore, old rosé, you know, nothing better. And um, so, you know, we've always had to avoid that temptation. You know, it's probably come at our own expense at times, you know, you know when you're looking to try and get your, your margins up, you know, it's easy to try and almost deceive your customer and slip something in, but that's just not what we do. Um, the guys here know that, all the buyers and the content people and the people that put the packs together, customer obsessed and, and, and you know, if they wouldn't want to drink it themselves, then it doesn't go in the pack. Yeah, that's great. Now, talking about community, because you've built a great community there around Different Drop, I saw that you're doing some Instagram lives with the link to purchase wine direct <laughs> through Instagram. How's that going for you? Yeah, it's a bit of fun. We were a bit late to the um, the virtual wine tasting party in our space um, that we didn't want to do anything kind of half-assed. So, no, we, we've been doing, yeah, DD Live, which is me, um, a little break at the moment, but before Christmas, it was me on a Thursday night chatting to different winemakers, um, very chilled out, um, talking about just what's going on, not getting too technical or anything. Mm. We had a couple of wines open. We encouraged people to buy the wines before the tastings to, to drink along with us and, and get to kind of meet the meet the winemakers. Uh, it was great fun. Yeah, yeah, I think it went really well. I mean, such a high ROI because they're so easy to do. I was just sitting at home in my lounge room. I'm not sure my wife was too thrilled. but um, I was about to say the best ROI is being left alone for a couple of hours to drink wine under the disguise of work. <laughs> that's it. That's it. And I was just praying the kids would stay asleep in the other room um, <laughs> while, we, while we're chatting to these incredible winemakers. But I think people know anything goes on, on these things these days. But no, it was great. It was really good. We, we, we'd have, you know, hundreds of people tuning in each time and a couple of them were a fair bit bigger. We sold uh, a lot of the packs and it wasn't it wasn't a sales event it was more about brand building and trying to put these winemakers forward and and just keeping in touch with our customers but now we'll come back with something similar this year yeah. i haven't quite settled on the concept yet and what i want to commit to but that's uh, good fun and sales and i know you said it wasn't a sales event but obviously there would be people who want to taste along with you or taste yep. after seeing you on those did you have the buy direct via instagram or did you direct people back to the site a bit of both a bit of both. So we, we we would send out these little um, twin packs or three packs of wine with the wines we would taste on the night, uh, and we we do them really cheaply to encourage people to join in, and then give them the option then to repurchase. We send an email to those people saying, "Hey, I hope you enjoyed the night. You know, you can re repurchase the wines here at a good rate." And then we would do a follow up post saying, "This is what we did with a buy now button." I think we only we could only do the Instagram buy now once we got to a certain size in our account, which was a year or so ago. But that's been really effective since we've been able to do that. Yeah, cool. And is it right that you had Ricky Ponting, the great punter, on there with you, mate? That was so exciting. I'm a massive cricket tragic, so just pretending to to talk wine to. So Ricky, he was trying to talk to me about wine. I was trying to talk to him about cricket the whole time, I think. <laughs> <Did> <laughs> and get anything good out of him? 
It was great. It was great fun, actually. He's a really nice guy. I've met him a few times. So Ricky's launched with his wife, Rihanna, and, and a really good winemaker in McLarenville called Ben Riggs have launched a little wine project. Uh, and it's it, it, the wines are really smart. Like it's it's not a half-assed sort of celebrity thing. He's he's a really passionate wine guy. He wants to build a cellar door and he's really investing a lot in it. And so we've been selling some of his wines, which has been good fun. And yeah, as I said, the wines are the wines are really tidy. They're not like you know profound, but they're they're really nice, good value wines. And anyway, that loves cricket. It's going to get a bit of joy out of it. Um, so no, he was great. Um, it was really funny actually because wherever Ricky Pontine goes, you know, about a, a hundred thousand subcontinental mad cricket lovers <laughs> go with. So it was hard to get a word in between everyone just asking Ricky to say their name and asking me to be quiet so they could talk cricket. But <laughs> but no, no, he was he was great fun. There's I think I was asking about who some of the big wine drinkers were on you know on, on the tour and no, he's pretty forthcoming, Ricky. Yeah, nice. Oh, great stuff. All right. And also what I saw on the website is that you mentioned there are some events that you've had in the past with your community, a wide range of events. How do you see them evolving and kind of the in-person connection to your customers evolving now post-COVID? Yeah, really good question. It's been, we sort of put that all on pause with COVID and just concentrate on the uh, online side of things, which we obviously uh, had to because it was taking off. But before that, we were doing like regular tastings in our warehouse here pop-up things um, and they they're not great in terms of selling wine to be honest I think compared to sending another email or getting mm-hmm. some product on the site but just keeping in touch with our community so I think we want to come at it fresh but but not so much I think we want to focus more on our on our best customers um, so our big focus for this year is to launch a bit of a VIP kind of membership for our for our top customers uh, and part of that will definitely be an experiential component around whether it's tastings here in our warehouse or pop-ups or even like um, wine tourism, you know, heading out to cellar doors and thinking about what kind of experiences we can give people with our network of suppliers. Look, all I can see is a common theme coming through here, Tom, is that you're just creating more things to get away from the family and drink wine. No, not true, not true, not true. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> Maybe I'm projecting. All right. <laughs> so I can't actually, I can't let you leave without asking you. You mentioned Pinot is really popular at the moment. What's your favourite wine and varietal right now? Oh, I'm a, I'm a total geek, so I'm always trying different things here. That That's uh, to, the, to the frustration of... Of uh, people I, I drink wine with, it's always a different bottle open. But I love light reds, especially this time of year. So Pinot, um, Gamay from Beaujolais in France, just things you can put a bit of a chill on. And then I love uh, textural white wines, so richer white wines like Chardonnay um, and uh, orange wines. Are you getting into the orange wines? Nathan? I haven't had skin orange wines. Skin contact wines. So it's an ancient technique of making a white wine a bit like a red wine, so using the skins of the grapes. Okay. And, and what you're left with is a more obviously orange-coloured or amber-coloured wine um, with a lot more kind of texture and complexity and different flavours, very popular amongst all the trendy wine bars in wow. Sydney, Melbourne. And, um, but, yeah, anyway, really interesting uh, category and, and growing very quickly. So I like that and just trying different things. How about you? What do you, what do you like? I'm a Pinot man. I'm, I'm boring. I'm straight down the line. But I'm actually like, I think, I don't know if it's just me getting old, but I, I can't drink too much wine at the moment because I'm a red guy. And yeah. I just, it gives me a cracking headache at the moment. Getting and old, I just mate. don't know what's going on. It could be summer in Queensland. Mate, I was just up in Brisbane a few weeks ago visiting family and I was told it was a really cool time and I could not handle the humidity. It's not for me. Controversial question for you then. An ice cube in a glass of red. Sacrilege? 
I would have I would have said sacrilege a few years ago, I reckon. And now I you know, you just gotta do whatever you need to do to enjoy wine. It's just a drink at the end of the day. And I love all of the intricacies of it and all of the the techniques and viticulture and this side of the hill, that type of yeast. It's really fun. But at the end of the day, it's just a drink. It should be fun. It should be approachable. And if a little ice cube on a hot day makes a, a red wine go down a bit easy, more easily, then that's fine by me. Yeah, beautiful. I love that approach. All right, Tom, what is next for yourself and the team at Different Drop? What exciting things have you got coming up? Yep, well, we're, we're sort of taking a breath at the beginning of this year. It's been a hectic couple of years, so we're just consolidating a bit at the moment, just trying to get our ducks in a row, do some planning for the next year or two. But no, we're really, really excited to to take the foundation we've built now of Different Drop and, and really try and accelerate things a bit. So we're going to keep growing the range pretty aggressively. We really, really want to make DD the uh, the one-stop shop for, for artisan wine, really. Like I was speaking about before, we want to invest a lot more in content, making it an even richer on-site experience. We'll probably look to do a, a bit of a tech revamp maybe, new, new skin to the site, maybe look at a couple other things like that. Um, as I said, a VIP membership sort of situation, experiences. Uh, yeah, we just want to keep really just improving the whole experience of buying wine from different drops. So we're not we're not huge marketers really. Like we, we do a bit of Google advertising, but we're not, we don't do any PR or anything. We just really want to just make an incredible product, an incredible experience, and, and then the rest will kind of take care of itself, we think. So good. And it's incredible that you guys have just stuck to your mission from day one um, and, and have staged that North Star. So congratulations. Thanks, mate. Tom, if people have heard this and gone, I need to get in touch with Tom, what's the best way? Yep. So you can uh, reach me on LinkedIn. You can um, send me an email, just tom at differentdrop.com. Always happy to chat. Um, the team here for any wine questions or anything to do with DD, just hello at differentdrop.com. Um, and yeah, just on, on the old social media. Beautiful. And you've given our listeners a very kind discount there if they want to go on and uh, get their, their own different drop. And we'll put that into the email as well. So thank you very much for that. Absolutely. Yeah, love to send some wines around to, to, your, uh, to your tribe. Tom, thanks so much for joining us on Add to Cart. It's been brilliant hearing about Different Drop and um, look forward to seeing what's next. Thanks, Nathan. Really loved it. All the best. I really feel like Tom is living all of our best lives. But if you want to live like Tom, he's given Add to Cart listeners a special code. Head on over to Different Drop. That's differentdrop.com. And purchase with the code add to cart, all one word, that's add to cart, and you'll get 10% off any wines or packs in the store. It's your chance to be like Tom, the wine flirt. All right, here are the three takeaways I took from today's chat with Tom Hollings, co-founder of Different Drop. Number one, look after your suppliers. Sure, customers are important, very important, hugely important, but so are your partners and suppliers. Tom established Different Drop off the back of his winery relationships and has maintained them ever since by not ripping the guts out of prices of the product and creating content that shows it in the best light. Pretty simple. But it opens up long-term opportunities that he mightn't get if he just took the shortcuts for the short term. Number two, simplifying technology. Tom talked about how they had grand visions for a customized tech stack but they've paired it back with off-the-shelf products like Shopify Plus, Gorgeous, and Clavio. It doesn't mean that they can't deliver great experiences. In fact, for Tom and the crew, 
it's been the opposite. Because they aren't spending so much time building and maintaining tech, they spend all their time on improvements that benefit the customer. So I think it's a really important lesson about thinking hard around how much and whether you really need customized tech. Number three, group content sourcing. I love Tom's approach of engaging a rogue band of outcast wine experts. My words, not his. And asking them to tell a story about the winey stocks. Even better, he's created a process using Airtable and Shopify to automate and streamline the creation of publishing this content. It's definitely a gang I would like to join. To get the highlights of today's episode, head on over to addtocart.com.au and sign up for our free newsletter. Each Tuesday, we will send Monday's episode summary, links, and discount codes for you to go next level on. And if you're looking to explore your next e-commerce opportunity, come and visit us at eSuite. We're a dedicated e-commerce talent agency connecting the best e-commerce talent with the fastest growing brands in Australia. Head on over to esuitetalent.com.au where you can download the free e-commerce salary guide and sign up to our weekly e-commerce job emails. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep those customers adding to cart. It's finally happening. Registrations for eSuite's e-commerce accelerator program are now open. If you're looking to get into e-commerce, upskill in e-commerce, or just want a refresher, we've got you covered. I've taken the lessons from my e-commerce career and the insights from all the e-commerce leaders I've been lucky enough to speak with here and distilled it into 10 weeks of e-commerce learning. We cover the foundations of e-commerce, including strategy, marketing, technology, finance, analytics, and supply chain. You'll even leave with an official Shopify certification. Every week, I will host a two-hour live lesson, which will be supported by templates, case studies, and resources to accelerate your e-commerce career. And because you guys lend me your ears, I'll lend you a discount code. Use the code ADTOCART, all one word, our original, to get $200 off your sign-up. That's ADTOCART as the discount code. So don't wait. Class commences on the 14th of March and registration is now open. Head over to learn.esuitetalent.com.au. That's learn.esuitetalent.com.au to secure your place today. See you in there.